Welcome to everything you wanted to know about zombies, but we're too alive to ask. Um, I'm Jonathan London from Geekscape. I put this panel together because uh, I love zombies. Um, to my right is Gavin Hignite from FearNet. Hey, everybody. To his right, Sean Kirkham from Skybound. And all the way over there, because of the restraining order, is Matt Moak from the Zombie Research Society. How you guys doing? Who's one of the more interesting or scary people that I've met in the course of doing Geekscape and interviewing different people about geek culture. Um, we're in the process of finishing a movie right now called Doc of the Dead. And I want you guys to remember that name because in March, Epix is going to put it out on their cable network. And uh, that's... I'm a co-producer and co-director on the film, and if you ever saw The People vs. George Lucas, the main director is Alexander Philippe, who did that film, and he called me and he goes, Jonathan, I know what we do, we do next after the Star Wars. We gotta do zombies. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, they're kind of played out. Da, da, da. Like, I don't know how long the popularity of zombies is gonna last, and that's like about two years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, and I, said I, I just had somebody on Geekscape. Let me email him, because I know he's in L.A. shooting a movie, and let me email him, and if he'll come over to my house and shoot an interview, then we'll have him, and we can start making this movie. But I want the movie to only have, like, bad at, like, the best of the best. So I sent an email to Simon Pegg, and I said, will you come over to my house and do an interview? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> Which is, like, crazy. Like, he, he, he will never not talk about zombies. He loves it so much. And he's a very nice guy. So he came over and shot an interview, and from there we had... Romero, and I, I finally just saw the rough cut of the movie th Tuesday night, and it's got Bruce Campbell, Max Brooks, Robert Kirkman, who works with you, Sean, and it is the... Uh, I, I feel bad if any of you guys were like, I think I'm going to do a zombie documentary, because we just kind of went and scorched earth on it, and we got everybody, and I'm excited about it. So I've gone from kind of not interested in zombies, don't know if I want to make this movie, to zombies are amazing, and they're very dynamic, and they may be very real, which is why I bring somebody like Matt on. We did this panel at the very first Kamikaze two years ago. And Matt, why don't you tell everybody about the Zombie Research Society and what you guys do over there? Uh, yeah, so uh, Zombie Research Society, we've got a member right up here. Good to see you. Um, Zombie Research Society is, a, is just a big club of zombie fans. We also have uh, serious researchers, so our board is made up of... Uh, experts in different fields, so George Romero is on our board of, of advisors, but also the co-director of education at Harvard Medical School is on our board, and a couple leading neuroscientists who've developed a 3D model of the zombie brain, so we don't make anything up. We don't say there was a zombie outbreak last week at a Walmart somewhere, but uh, we say if a zombie were to show up at your front door, what would it actually look like, and how would it behave, and, and how do we survive, and what diseases are mutating out there in strange ways that could lead to a zombie sickness? So you guys take a very real approach to the possibility that this is going to happen. And yeah. that goes as far as science, but also what socioeconomic makeup. Like, where would you want to be in a zombie apocalypse? And maybe that's where we really start, right? Um, what was your first, and this goes for all panelists, what was your first exposure to zombies? And were you immediately into it? Or were you like me, somebody who's like, oh, that's cool, it's gruesome, but whatever. Um, and it took a while to grow on you. Any whoever wants to speak, let's do it, baby. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I was I was always obsessed with zombies from when I was a little kid. So, uh, I, I mean, I must have seen Night of the Living Dead at some point. You know, they played it on TV all the time. This is like 
pre-cable or maybe if we had cable it was like four channels rather than three channels and you thought you were cool. Um, but I used to think of zombies before I go to sleep at night and uh, in hopes of having a nightmare because I thought it'd be like a free movie. You know, I was like, uh, so yeah, I've, I've always been obsessed. Yeah, I'd say a uh, very similar story for myself. Uh, I was very young and caught probably the second half. You know, you never catch Night of the Living Dead at the beginning the first time, right? Like you turn on the TV late at night and there's this creepy black and white movie. Um, but that was definitely the entry point for me was as, as a kid late at night, this old movie on TV, and I was just instantly fascinated with it. And uh, I, I can't say why at that point I was, but it continued. Looking sure. back, what would you attribute it to? Now that you're you know, more, you know, more familiar with the movie, you're more familiar with the genre, like looking back, what do you think it was about Night of the Living Dead that made you really appreciate either the film or the genre? I think for me, it just it seemed so, you know, uh, possible, so realistic. There's just something about that film that, you know, I think the two things that it always invokes is, wow, this, this could happen in some way, and what would I do? You know, I think other horror genres, um, there's not necessarily a what would I do, but the zombie genre is definitely the, you know, that's the one you insert yourself in. That's the one where you ask these questions, and maybe that's the reason we're all here. Mm-hmm. And Sean, what was your first entry into the zombie I mean, whole experience? Seeing like these guys, Night of the Living yeah. Dead, you know, midnight when you're, you know, you're eight years old and you're trying to stay up with your pops and you're like, oh, I want to see this film. And then you have like nightmares for the next like two weeks in a row. And he's like, told you so. I'm like, ah, oh, sorry, dad. But I think for me, like, it, it's just that with zombies, it's that human face. It's so like close to home. That it doesn't. It's not like you know, it's not a werewolf or it's not like an alien. This is a you know a person. And mm-hmm. It's like what's creepy. You know, it scares the shit out of me. Yeah, and maybe someone you know. And right. I, I think in terms of that survival thing, you know, you make a good point that it 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 inherently is like what would I do? Even you know when you watch The Walking Dead, you're like, oh, they're in this scenario, and like, what would I do in that scenario? Who would I be? And I think part of that is it, this is stolen from Max Brooks, who says what what makes zombies so scary for him is that. Other monsters, most other monsters, you have to go out of your way to get killed by them. Like, if you go to Transylvania and go to the creepy castle and, like, oh, my gosh, you know, Dracula sucks your blood, well, screw you. You went, you know, you went to, you, like, don't go to friggin' Transylvania, you know? Um, I was out of the woods last yeah. night. I decided to walk through the yeah. graveyard and... Uh, <laughs> you fall in love with, like, the brooding werewolf who yeah. then ends up eats you. It's like... Well, it's your bad. The guy was pasty and in your high school. Yeah, like, right. why did you date him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but zombies, unlike, you know, most monsters, they come to you, mm-hmm. right? You, I mean, that's why you really can't have zombie hunters uh, lo- out looking for zombies. They don't have to. Just stand still, you know? Right. Zombies come to you. They'll come to your front door. And so it's sort of like, wow, they could come here. They could come to me, and what would I do, you know? The other thing that um, I've picked up just in making the movie is, uh, is the attitude that they are more so than the good-looking vampire, the good-looking werewolf, the sexy this. Uh, they're us. You know, they're everybody. And it's like what Gavin just said. They're the, either the disenfranchised or, um, the, you know, and we always hunger, right? We always have a need. You know, some of those monsters, like you said, I just want to be left alone. You know, they came to me with pitchforks, right? Um, the zombie has to do the same thing that we have to do. We, we still have to consume. And so, like the original Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, which, uh, you know, some people say is the best of the zombie uh, film, um, you know, you can talk about consumer culture. 
And even now you can talk about disenfranchisement and how zombies are the 99% versus the 1% living in the castle at the top of the mountain. You know, uh, they are extremely dynamic and representative of a lot of people, and that's why two years later, they're still popular. Is it gonna last? Is this something that you guys see as continuing? Are they gonna separate themselves from the vampire and the werewolf and become their own takeover of the, of the horror genre? What do you guys see as the next five years of zombies? Or 10 or 15? I, I think it's gonna change. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, it's, if it's a genre that is gonna continue, I, I don't think in five years it will, you know, because it's all about re, uh, reinterpretation, right? Like your interpretation of zombies. And uh, I think that the Romero thing that, that makes it so timeless is that it's always a social commentary, you know? Uh, Romero's films are about us first and a society and monsters second. That's his thing. But then you take more modern stuff, it's, it's uh, you know, I, like the, the Walking Dead model, uh, that's more about uh, us but in a different way. You know, I mean, it's just like, you just turn it a little bit on the head and it's mm -hmm. different. So will it be back in five years or struggling? Probably. Will it be different? Probably. Hmm. Where do you guys see it going? I mean, Sean, you, you, you guys put out zombie content with Skybound as fast as anybody with both the comic books, the Walking Dead TV show, yeah. the Telltale games, which I think are incredible. Absolutely. Um, how do you, how, how, from the you know, beginning of Walking Dead, how have you seen the zombie genre change? Have you? I mean, I think it's, it's just, I mean, it's definitely a lot more popular. Everyone's here mm -hmm. to, to, to see more of it. They want more of it. They want to dress up and show their love for it. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I think it's like, you know, I think it's going to keep chugging along. I don't think it's going to change too much, but I mean, we're going to see all sorts of iterations of the zombie idea, and, and whether it be super scientific side, yeah. or it's going to be... Warm bodies, where you've... Right. Yeah. That's exactly. a good point. Yeah, yeah. it's a good... Yeah. Yeah. Hot, dreamy zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really going to see more of that? I don't think we're going to see a lot more of that, but there, there'll be a little more of that, um. in my opinion. I, you know, I think zombies... Zombies have sort of gone up and down in popularity over the last, you know, since 1968, since they sort of, you know, came on the scene. Um, and so I think that now we're in a, we're in a huge upswing. Um, zombies always seem to be more popular when times are bad. So, you know, we're worried about, oh, I can't find a job, or it's global warming, or it's, you know, economic collapse, Greece is going to fold, and we're all get screwed, or whatever, you know. If we're worried about those things, you know, oh, giant tsunami in Japan and nuclear fallout... That's perfect for that's in the zombie wheelhouse. That's great, you know. Yeah. So if we're worried, if times are good, zombies kind of fade a little bit. But the thing that's different now, I think, than in the past, is the internet. Uh, so not, you know, in 1985 or in the early 1980s, late 1970s up through you know the mid 1980s, when zombies kind of had this little spike. If I were some kid in Iowa who loved you know, Dawn of the Dead and it was like, oh my god, it was the best, and I saw any movie I could see, when it faded out in, you know, mid-80s, I'm just a kid in Iowa going, oh, I like zombies, and everyone else is like, you're a weirdo. Now, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to the kid in Australia who's talking to the dude, you know, in San Diego, and so I don't think zombies will ever go away the way they have in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. And That's how, a good point. And how much of that do you think is also, I mean, this was always my theory with the last uh, 15, 20 years, was um, being in places, like when I was in, I was in New York during, like, 9-11, and uh, I was experiencing the same thing in person that people around the globe were experiencing over the internet or newspapers the following day. And we have more access in the last 15, 20 years of gl like global disaster imagery that is, than ever before. So these tsunamis, even though they take place around the world, 
they're immediately in our faces and immediately challenging us to think, what would I do? What would I do in this situation? It's the safe way to deal with something like that is a fictitious creature. Yeah. And we talked to somebody from like the CDC and uh, one of the you know uh, governmental information agencies, and they put out pamphlets. I mean, you, what is it, the, the, the pamphlet that they put out and they use well, zombies as the, yeah, they, you know... Well, the first one they did was on their blog. So every year on the, on the CDC's uh, blog, they put out, in May, they put out a disaster preparedness bulletin. And a couple years ago, they did... Um, they usually do it, it's like how to survive tornadoes and pack this or how to... And they pick a new disaster every year. A couple years ago, they did zombies for the first time. It's the first time they did, you know, a theoretical, I will not say fictitious, I will say right. theoretical problem. Uh, it's not fictitious. Uh, um, and normally they get 1,800 hits for the entire year on that blog post. 1,800. 1,800. 1,800 hits for, like, here's how to survive a tornado. They did zombies. They got 25 million hits in two days. They crashed their uh, servers. They were literally, I talked to, like, researchers who were like, we couldn't send emails. We couldn't, like, get in touch with people because, like, we couldn't cure diseases. nothing was working because <laughs> everybody was on our website reading about zombies. And, but, and how genius is that? Yeah, because right. Because the same things that you would do to prepare for a zombie apocalypse are probably things that will help you in an earthquake. You know? why, are so, people more willing, why are people more willing to uh, accept that theoretical disaster than an actual disaster when you're telling them, oh my God, this is what you would do if there was a, uh, this breakout in your community or if there, you know, there was a, a flood. Why would they be more willing to accept zombies? What is you, your theory? It's a little more fun. Yeah. You know, it's a little, I mean, it's because you know in the back of your head, like, this has never happened. So I'll go to the degree that I'm going to like, oh, okay, I'm going to have a hatchet in my house. Right. I'm going to have a bunch of water. I'm going to do this. And then uh, it's an earthquake. Uh, well, I mean... I don't have time for that. You know, right. it's, it's easier yeah. to... And, I mean, to both points, it's the escapism, right? I mean, it's uh, to the, uh, the points about, you know, in hard times, we turn to escapist fiction. Um, it, but it's one that is just right along, like, our reality, right? Or what could or could happen. So we're pretty prepared, is what you're saying. Because that's oh, the I one am. that we're prepared for. <laughs> that's the one everybody was like, oh, I'm reading this. Yeah. I'm not going to read about if there's a tsunami. But they're, they're like, oh, zombies? Okay, what do I got to do? So, so you're saying, like, this would be over in, like, a day, right? I mean, Matt, if zombies were to attack, this would be over in a day, right? Well, we definitely are more prepared than people in movies, that's for sure, right? You ever notice, <laughs> people in movies, they've never, like, no one in a zombie movie has ever seen a zombie movie. They're like, what's that? It's, like, a, you know, it's a walker. Martha got bitten on ghoul. the hand, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so in, to that extent, we're definitely more prepared. But I think in a lot of ways, and, you know, The Walking Dead definitely... Uh, you know, goes to this end of it. It's it's more. There are a lot of other concerns besides just the zombies, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so they're all. It's like it's not a video game. You know, it's not most video. It's not just like I'm gonna get a shotgun and blow a bunch of zombie heads off and like get high score. It's like you know, you're gonna die of dehydration after you get cholera and and have diarrhea to death. You know. <laughs> What, what, when are they gonna? When are they gonna do that episode? <laughs> it's just everybody on toilets. That's a season finale. Are you kind digging of all those holes for graves? It's like no, these are outhouses. <laughs> Set your DVR tonight, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock tonight, guys. Let's watch that episode. Everybody gets the craps. <laughs> hey man, run it up the chain and see what you can do, Sean. Yeah, yeah. I'll make a call. Yeah, yeah. text him right now. That's a story idea. Right? I'm sure there's somewhere else you can work. <laughs> Oh, come on, really? <laughs> He's the guy who suggested it. 
Um, I was going to say, yeah, you know, speaking it. of technology too, you know, you brought up, uh, you know, uh, there's also this the social aspect now that exists. You know, that kid in 1985 who loved Dawn of the Dead was lucky if one other guy in his high school or girl, he was really lucky if there was a girl that liked it, right? <laughs> that but, was us. Right? But now not only can you connect online, but in person, uh, uh, you know, uh, zombie walks are huge. We, uh, uh, Fearnet participates with the San Diego zombie walk every year. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that, you know, that is a community. That is, you know, we see everyone come together, everyone... Uh, when do we see people like this? You know, when do we see a 80-year-old man and a three-year-old child in the same garb freaking people out? Right. Like, you know? So I think the technology has allowed also a, a community build around this genre that just was never possible. I mean, when I started getting into this stuff, it wasn't. I yeah, guarantee why, it. why aren't there werewolf walks and mummy walks? Werewolf walk. It's going to start next year at Comic-Con. <laughs> I'm vampire walk. Like, it's more of a run. Yeah, I'm going to start the, the creature from Black Lagoon walk. <laughs> or swim. It should be a swim. Swim. <laughs> like we swim. all just kind of go swimming. Together, you know, you imagine these kids uh, in zombie walks are probably hooking up, getting to meet each other from the internet for the first time, and get them on bathing suits. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Yeah, because that's not scary. Uh, hey, twist their own, brother. Don't judge. I, I was born looking like this. I got a concealed part of it in water. You know? <laughs> so, um, Matt, you deal with science. You deal with scientists yeah. both, on, you know, on the board and as members of it. What's the reality of some of this stuff? Like, we can just start with virology. Is there stuff out there that could actually simulate or produce a zombie apocalypse? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the short answer is yes, in my opinion. Yes. But if you... um, The first thing I would say is that if you look at sort of the new wave of zombies in in literature and certainly in cinema, um, you've got what I would call the living zombie. So... Uh, if you take it like 28 days later, right? When 20, if you're all familiar with 28 days later, it came out in 2002. Any fans? Yeah. Right. So, so when that movie came out, Danny Boyle, who directed it, who went on to you know, win an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire, said it's not a zombie movie, right? He's like, oh, that's not a zombie movie because they don't die and come back to life. It's an infected movie or they're just infected with a rage virus. George Romero agreed. He's like, hey, it's not a zombie movie, right? To me, I would say... Watching it, I'm afraid of zombies now. Somehow along the way, I went from like hoping to have nightmares to like really being. I realized they could eat me too, and now I'm like terrified. I don't go to zombie walks. I think they're like terrifying. Um, (laughs) But so watching that movie felt like watching a zombie movie to me. I was I was scared. And secondly, if we talk about like what would you do kind of scenario, if there's a raving maniac trying to claw down my front door to like attack and or eat me and turn me into one of it, I'm not really interested in having a philosophical conversation like. Is this really a zombie? Or that's not really a zombie. That one didn't. It's like, I'm still getting my leg chewed off. Like, it's a zombie. So if we think about that, if we, like, eliminate the, the I died and came back part of a zombie, right, and, came, and make it the living zombie, certainly there are diseases out there that could easily mutate and, and create something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to researchers any, that yeah. have said, you know, uh, a virologist at the University of Miami, sorry to cut you off, that no said uh, she didn't know anything about zombies, and I was interviewing her for, for my book, and... Uh, I described it. I was like, okay, this, you know, uh, infectious disease, bloodborne illness causes people to go violently insane and attack, you know, and, and spread the disease. And she's like, oh yeah, we could create that in the lab today. She said it like I, it's like I was an idiot. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, we can clone sheep and we can clone people and you, for ten thousand dollars, they'll clone your dog in Korea. Like that's way more complex, you know. Right. So yeah. So that's easy. 
Creating I mean, a zombie virus, according, I mean, with yeah. those parameters is easy. I mean, not easy like, hey, let's go do it after this and sure. like, then get McDonald's <laughs> or something, you know. But yeah, she was like, hey, if you have the people with the know-how and you have the right lab and enough money and enough time, you just sit in there and you create it. What about nature? Is this something that could be already out there waiting to be discovered or something that could be produced in the right circumstances? Yeah, I mean, um, theoretically, um, we have a, one of our board members is an uh, epidemiologist who is an expert in... Um, uh, zoonotic diseases, diseases that transfer from animal, animals to humans, and that's how we get you know, a lot of new diseases. Um, and so, yeah, she says, you know, theoretically, there, there are a lot of hurdles to it. Again, it's not like we're going to say, okay, panel's over and walk outside, and it's going to be like, ah! Um, you haven't been outside in 10 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, it's not, right. again, it's not like, you know, when people ask who would win in, between a zombie and a vampire, I say it. A zombie would win, of course, because zombies are real and vampires are fake. <laughs> and, and, and what I mean by that is, is you know, you don't try to scientifically explain how a vampire can, like, climb on ceilings or fly or turn into a bat or go to your high school and steal your girlfriend, right? Like, <laughs> zombies are inherently biological. Right. That's what, you know, in The Walking Dead and in, 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 in zombie lore, zombies are inherently biological. So they are, they are inherently more real. Even if they don't exist right now, they're inherently more real than... Almost every other monster. Hmm. But would something like rabies or mad cow yeah, exactly. yeah. be a zombie virus? Uh, even though right now, I mean, mad cow did go from cattle to humans. Right. And I mean, what are the statistics on mad cow? Can you tell me about mad cow? Is it something that would be a zombie-like virus? Yeah, I mean, uh, mad cow is created by, uh, in humans it's called CJD, and it's created by a prion. Prion, which is a protein, it's a mutated protein that if it gets in your brain, it mutates the rest of the proteins in your brain and causes you to go insane and die. Um, it's been, when I was growing up, I never heard of mad cow. Uh, it wasn't sort of on the radar. And now I feel like everybody knows what mad cow is. Um, it's because it used to be that the only way you could get mad cow is if you ate the brain, like if I had mad cow and I died, you'd have to eat my brains. That's how, you, then you would get it. So it'd be little cannibalistic tribes that would be outcroppings of mad cow. And then they'd be like, hey, how about we like, lay off the brain eating for a couple weeks, and then it would kind of go away. Um, now there are new indications it can be transmitted from blood to blood. The symptoms are changing and evolving, um, which is why we hear about it more. Um, uh, new, it, there's a variant of it called VCJD that causes you to, uh, to often go violently insane in the late stages, so much so that an expert at the Mad Cow Institute in England has said if someone starts showing late-stage VCJD, you should lock them in a room and let them die because if they attack you and bite you and get their blood into you, it's 100% fatal and 100% communicable, meaning if you're exposed to it, you will for sure get it, and then you'll turn violently insane and go attack somebody else, and that's the beginning of Zombieland. They mm -hmm. say mad cow disease turned to mad human disease turned to mad zombie disease. So, again, there are a lot of hurdles that I'm you know, sort of simplifying, but that's the truth. Right. I did not say anything that wasn't true just then. I um, interviewed a neuroscientist uh, down at UC Irvine for the film, and uh, his name is Dr. Cribs, and he is working on... Uh, a vaccine for Alzheimer's. There's no cure for Alzheimer's, but there's a vaccine because uh, we, we, your body can get sick. All the different parts of your body can get sick. You can get stomach illness. You can get lung, you know. But your brain can't get sick very easily. There's something called a, bl uh, a blood-brain barrier that keeps uh, the things going in and out of your brain, like oxygen, uh, clean. And it's very hard to trick the things that let things in your brain to sneak in. And Alzheimer's is one of those diseases that has tricked the brain into letting it sneak in and start 
what it does, which is start eroding uh, your brain. And uh, it erodes parts of the brain. It doesn't erode the frontal lobe. Like, it doesn't uh, erode the parts that uh, would like, keep you from grabbing someone in public or act crazy. But um, he was talking about these prion diseases, of which uh, that, that is one of them. And the thing about prion diseases is they're not a disease that gets into your defense system, looks at it, and says, okay, how do I get around it? A prion disease isn't a disease at all. It's a protein. So it's not a virus. It's not a virus that, that mutates based on a reaction to your defense system. It's a, it's a protein that says, hey, I just feel like doing this. I'm going to change. And at any point, if what he's talking about bloodborne goes airborne, well, we're all in a bunch of fun there. Uh, what he was telling me, which is really fascinating, and I didn't see it in the rough cut of the movie Tuesday night, um, maybe because we haven't worked all the footage in, and hopefully it's in the movie, but hopefully it's in the bonuses. Some, somewhere I hope you see this, because it's really fascinating. He talked about pygmy cultures. Cannibalistic pygmy cultures actually do things like eat the brain, and that would cause the protein folds necessary to spontaneously create one of these prion proteins uh, in, uh, in, in, out of nowhere in like a cannibalistic culture you would immediately have something similar to a mad cow disease that would cause more cannibalism and more human-on-human violence. And then, there you go. Uh, and as I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here interviewing this guy, it was about a month and a half ago, and he's telling me all this really scary stuff. And he's telling me very nonchalantly. I mean, he's, he, he's one of the guys who works with... Um, uh, uh, you know, um, what, are they, what are they trying to ban? Um, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, basalts? No, not basalts. Although we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, trying to ban um, uh, the, the, the stem cells. He works with stem cells. Thank you so much. He works with stem cells, and that's what he's trying to do to try and create this vaccine for Alzheimer's. He says you can create a vaccine that will stop, the, the, create a blockage to keep these things from getting to your brain, and then you can cure yourself of these kind of proteins. But we haven't done it yet because we haven't figured it out for Alzheimer's. And as soon as we finish the interview, he goes, we've been talking about brains for an hour. Do you want to see one? Because he's got tons of human brains in like a fridge at UC Irvine. And he takes me back to this thing. And I'm looking at the camera like, keep rolling. Keep, like, even if I yak, keep it rolling. You know? And we go into this fridge and just like it ain't anything. And keep in mind, he's been working on human brains for like 40 plus years. He pulls this jug out of this thing. Said, uh, out of this fridge. Jug? It was like a jug. And, he, and it was like, oh, you know, it was like cold. It still had frost on it from the fridge. He takes this, like, jug out, pops the top off of it, reaches in there with these gloves, and it's just like, hey, it, like, puts it, like, as far as close as I am to you, Gavin. And I could, like, smell it. It had this, like, membrane on it, this mucus, and he's like, would you eat that? You know, and he's, like, poking around with it, like, opening the folds and stuff, and I'm sitting here going, John, you're a documentarian. Be professional. Be professional. All I wanted to do was, like, puke on the brain, which I think was, like, a, a, a mid-'90s rap rock song. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like a Power Man 2000 song. You know? but, but I was like, oh, uh, so that's what it is face to face. It was intense, man. That's crazy. It was intense. And that's, I mean, vampirism wouldn't be intense. Werewolves wouldn't be intense. Like, our body went through changes more in puberty than it would becoming a werewolf. You know what I mean? Like, could you imagine, like, puberty, if it happened in a minute, how nasty it would be? Like, it would be worse than anything Michael J. Fox went through in that bathroom at, at Teamwork. <laughs> We'd be like, you know, you'd start oozing out of your face. You'd have every pimple you'd have during your teenage years in like a minute. You'd look nasty. And that was, in, I mean, this is intense. This zombie stuff is intense. People are reacting to it in big ways. Um, what has been the most intense, uh, like, uh, fandom, 
or uh, expression in the fan culture, like uh, maybe tattoos or you know, like like the weird aspect of a like a zombie fan culture where you're like, man, this has really reached a critical mass and it's getting really weird. Like, what's the weirdest thing you saw? You you're a fear net. What's the weirdest yeah. thing you've seen in the fan? I would definitely say for me. Uh when it became a 5K, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> because to me, zombies were always what the guys who didn't want to work out stayed home and watched. And then all of a sudden, all the athletic people, you know, have gathered, they've put together this obstacle course, and they've hired all these people who are being zombies. And it really, I was like, okay, this is mainstream, like this. Uh, and I just participated in my first one. Oh, Yeah. Uh, to get eaten? And I died hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I trained for it, too. And I was like... Because you have to keep in mind, I... I mean, I was at the Night of the Living Dead 25th anniversary uh, quite some time ago. I've been on this train for a long time, so I thought I was going to nail it. I was like, I'm going to... The zombies, I don't, don't have anything on me. And I died fast and hard, man. Yeah, I would very, become food yeah. pretty quick. Um, I don't want to spoil anything in the movie, but I did one of those, but I was wearing a hazmat suit because I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come at me. Well, it's, it's, it's smart you say that because I think that's the one thing I learned is uh, those who will survive the apocalypse are those who don't, you know, who don't follow the horde and don't follow the rules. And uh, I, I wish I would have been a little more clever. Even in the run, I think it in a way reflected mm-hmm. kind of uh, trying to survive. You know, the, the, the rule breakers are going to be the ones that survive. Man. Uh, Sean, yeah. you've seen a lot of fans probably through The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the one where you're like, all right, timeout? And you do like the Parker Lewis timeout. Okay, I can't do it. <laughs> it uh, truthfully, it's, it's been the fact that my father is like what? super. My dad's like super into The Walking Dead. He's like, oh, I gotta watch a show tonight. Uh, I'm gonna sit in my chair, and you know, he gets his his popcorn and all of his stuff ready, and he's uh, the whole ritual. He's you know, he'll never read the books. Of course, he does. He's not a reading man. But uh, the TV show, like, he is just so into it, and it's all we talk about anymore. Like, it used to be, you know, we would talk about the Oakland A's, we'd talk about the Niners with him, and, but no, now it's all zombie all the time. And it's like, the guy, you know, he's like 65 years old, retired, and it's like, this is what he's focusing on now. It's crazy. It's crazy how big and, and widespread the fandom yeah. is. That, like, now you have a relationship with your father. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've had a relationship before. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it has gotten a lot better. I'm like, hey, Dad, here's some free shit. You know, want a T-shirt? You want a hat? Like, oh, he, now he's proud of me. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I mean, would your dad ever have like? I mean, he was not into horror. He wasn't into zombies at all. But I mean, this one, he, he liked stuff, but I never got into it. You know, yeah. he's just like, eh, it just if it's on, he'll watch it. But he's never like just he wasn't fascinated and didn't like just dwell on it. What is now, it about like, The Walking Dead? I don't know. Specifically, like The Walking Dead at Skybound. Like, what is it? I mean, does, does Robert have an answer for this? Oh, I mean, dear God, no. I mean, what, <laughs> I mean what, what, what is it about The Walking Dead, guys, that, um, that, that, that brought it to a critical mass above and beyond what decades of Romero movies did? Well, you I know? think also, I mean, The Walking Dead. Or The so Omega Man. You've got, <clears throat> you've got the ability for it to be, it's now, like, you know, it's on weekly. As opposed to like, all right, you got to, you know, you get a Romero movie once every, you know, 20 years, whatever his frequency is, or zombie films every you know, couple years. But like this is something that's like, it's in your house every week. You're talking to your coworkers, you're talking to your friends every Monday morning. You're like, holy shit, did you see that last night? Like, I can't believe the governor did that. What the fuck? Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, you get to have that interaction. It's like the social thing we talked about earlier, too. Like, everyone else is talking about it. So, like, that's where it really comes from. It's just amazing, like, little perfect time for everything to come together. 
Well, I think, too, uh, the quality. I mean, it's great drama, whether it was dramas, you know, zombies in it or not. And I know people who do not define themselves as zombie fans. Uh, we have people, you know, Fear Net, we're always asking, are you a fan of horror? And they're like, no. Oh. Well, you watch Walking Dead? Yes. <laughs> but that's horror, you know? Um, it's just really well done, you know? Well-told drama that happens to have a zombie crisis in it. I think the quality really helps. When the comic first came out, I remember the solicitation. And I remember Robert Kirkman doing all these different interviews about it. And what caught me really was before the first issue came out, he said, what if a zombie movie didn't end at two hours? Mm-hmm. What if like, you then had to live in this world? You know, For me, that's, that's always been the greatest thing about The Walking Dead is, uh, is yeah, you have like Dawn of the Dead or any of those zombie movies. And once the threat has been temporarily averted, you still have to live there. You still have to yeah. recreate society, which the books are kind of going into now. You still have to kind of have some vestige of a life. And then it really becomes about survival, not the short game, but the long game, which I think we're all seeing. You know, with something like Katrina, that was the short game. And then we started to look at ourselves and our leaders and say, okay, what's the long game? Yes, we you know, had an awful situation happen in, in New Orleans, how can we not repeat this? How can we build from this? How can we grow from this? And it's you know resonated in something like The Walking Dead. And that's what got me to pick up that first issue was, oh yeah, after being Rames kills all the zombies. <laughs> and he, poor guy's on like 20 million of these zombie movies now, and I love being Rames. Um, after he kills them all, now what do we do? And that's been really fascinating. You know, um, What would you attribute it to, Matt, in your research? What's that? Oh, the popularity? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, actually, I think all the points that, that you just made uh, are very good. Um, ditto. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and just in general, I think it's like, it's like the perfect time. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a great show, really, like, like great show, very great, you know, books, really well written, sort of great story, um, and also just like the perfect time, you know? I mean, um, I don't know, you know, if if they were being written in 1980, maybe it would not have been, you know, led to so much stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like perfect storm. As mm-hmm. much as we love The Walking Dead, what's your favorite zombie movie? Is it the Night of the Living Dead? I think it's the greatest horror movie. Yeah, ever made. I mean that's Night of the Living right. Dead, just because how how influential, more because of how influential it has been, and like how you know what it's meant for horror in general. Um, but yeah. I always feel a little cheesy saying that one because it's like it's we so obvious. Yeah, I, I feel the same way though, and you know I watched it a couple of nights ago for Halloween, and I really tried to put myself in because we're spoiled, right? We've had thirty plus years of zombie history, but I really tried to watch it thinking no one's ever really seen something like this. You know, I was really trying to put my myself in the seat of that that person in 1968. <laughs> I was reacting to the screen. Wow. I was like, Terrifying. when it breaks out, it starts with a child. <laughs> oh, that's so messed up. I thought she had a cold. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, you're right. Nothing, do- nothing tops the electric complex in that trowel scene where the little girl has yeah. the garden trowel. Like, nothing tops that. That is, that is so hardcore yeah. and so messed up. Uh, Sean, what would you say is I, like the top? I kind of have to agree. This is what it's. I think it's because really, like, I think when I saw it, I was so young, and it's just that just it, in your head, you can't get rid of it, and you'll never let go of that stuff, you know. I didn't see it until like grad school, and what? it's still 
mess me up yeah, so bad. I mean, as an adult, I'm watching it as a, Yeah, seriously, get I mean, out. You know, as like an adult, it's like messing yeah, it's good. me up. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, well, I understand being scared of this as a kid, but as an adult, it was what? really warping me. Yeah. When Night of the Living Dead came out, horror movies were like the kind of things that moms would take, you know, their kids to whatever matinee, like double feature was playing on a Saturday of like horror movies. It'd be like The Mummy and then like some quicksand movie or something, you know? And Roger Ebert, uh, film, you know, famed film critic, has a great, he was a second year uh, film critic in Chicago when it, in 1969. And um, he went to go see Night of the Living Dead just like that to write a review in Reader's Digest of all places. And he went to a matinee and it was filled with all children and families. And, like, you know, eight-year-old... Like, what Who? What mom would take their, like, five- and seven-year-old to, like, saw eight? You know what I mean? Like, you just, like... So they wouldn't even let you... They'd be like, you're a bad parent. Like, get out of here. But, but it was all children and families, and he has this great review where he's like, the movie ended, and kids were weeping in their seats. Moms were, like, white-knuckling the chairs. No one wanted to go outside. Like, they were like, we're going to all die. So, you know, the movie is just so... It was like, you know, this this isn't your same old horror movie anymore. Like, oh, my gosh, you know? So, it's huge. It's fascinating to find out that there's not even, like, quote-unquote, a zombie in the movie. What was the origin of... Uh, I mean, you've told me, but I'm telling you, you know, asking you for the audience. What was the origin of Night of the Living Dead? Where did, where did, where did the, or, the inspiration come from for Romero? Uh, yeah. He, I mean, it really came almost directly from uh, a vampire novel from the 1950s called I Am Legend. Which is the um, greatest horror novel ever yeah, written. Exa- which yeah, exactly. Which is also highly influential, you know, as yeah. influential in, in horror fiction as, you know, modern horror fiction is Night of the Living Dead. And so he really, he wanted to make, he basically wanted to make I Am Legend, but it had already been, rem- it had already been adapted uh, as a movie called um, Last Man, Last on, Man Earth. on Earth. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he's some poor kid in Pittsburgh, he wanted to make the movie, so he's like, okay... I want to make this movie, but I'm just going to change it just enough so I don't get sued. So he's like, all right, you know. Um, in I Am Legend, the book, it's set in Los Angeles, uh, and vampires don't have special powers. They can't fly. Then there's a biological explanation for vampirism. So it's a bacterial infection that causes a vampire, and vampires are running around like hordes of vampires. They're trying to suck the blood of every last living person. So it kind of sounds, sounds like, you know, what we think of as modern zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, uh, and it also came down to budget for him, right? Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, yeah. Uh, he wanted and, to make his money back. And I think that's something that also <clears throat> keeps pulling in. I mean, how many here are horror fans? Okay, and how many here are making something or are, are interested in filmmaking or want to make your own horror projects? Right? So there's, there's some crossover there, right? And what's a genre we can all do without a lot of money? You know? Yeah. And it was the same for Romero. I mean, he was very smart. He's like... Yes, yeah. cheapest to make, statistically the most profitable by far of all the genres. Um, you know, in a zombie movie, you get five friends who want to walk around your backyard and limp with some fake blood on them, and you got a zombie movie, right? But he didn't introduce the brain-eating then. He introduced the infection, and that's why zombies then were different than the mm-hmm. Haitian voodoo zombies exactly. of just having a, cert, like a, like a cursed servant or having somebody possessed and under your command. Yeah. He introduced the idea that if you, you get bit... You turn, and that was like the first time there. But it wasn't until like '85, when Return of the Living Dead, that the brain thing was introduced. Was it? And a lot of people, yeah, confused yeah, that. That was so powerful. Too. Was, it, was that Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead? Return or, of the Living Dead, yeah. Yeah. It's the first time it, they ate brains, yeah. That they ate brains, and, and it, but you think that brains was maybe something that started in 1968? It's crazy that we thought that for so long, 
but it didn't really show up until 1985. What made it so prominent when Dan O'Bannon did in Return of the Living Dead? I don't know what he is. Like, Maybe because it was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. Um, let me ask you something that is kind of fun, and we all do it as horror and zombie fans. What would you do in the case of a zombie apocalypse? Or do you have a zombie survival plan? Sean. Because you know your dad does. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, he does, man. Like a gun locker and SME. He's got the SUV and the trailer and all that shit. Um, I, I mean, I, I've weirdly, I've actually been collecting, and it's just because we get stuff that come through the office as like, oh, we should make one of these. And I've got, like, machetes and knives. And like, People put that in the also, I get all sorts of, like, survival gear, and so no one else in the office cares or wants it so I actually take it all and I've got this huge trunk like at home like it's in it's in the it's in the kitchen and actually you pull you can pull it out from the drawer it's like one of those big Tupperware tubs but it's like literally it's like first aid kits and like knives and hatchets you're so ready I well I mean I would come on seriously I'm gonna be the fucking first one to die (laughs) but I'm gonna go out trying at least right and whoever stumbles across my dead body is gonna be Score! <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, I just found a treasure chest. If we cook them, we have food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, my plan is that I'm going over to his house. So. Yeah, that sounds crazy. I mean, but we all live in L.A. I mean, we're kind of mess- I mean, there's a lot of you guys. And as Matt tells me all the time, what is the equation? Yeah, population density is bad. You, you want to stay, <laughs> stay away from other large groups of other people that's right. bad because there's a lot we don't know about the coming zombie play but one thing we can all agree people make zombies right mm-hmm. so without a lot of people around there can't be a lot of zombies right so we're, we're in bad, bad we're situation. really bad shape yeah. what's the worst place in the country to live New Jersey and what's, oh New Jersey <laughs> no 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 in the case of a zombie apocalypse oh <laughs> New Jersey <laughs> why New Jersey well, we broke down every state in the United States based on like 20 different categories on zombie survivability. What so, are some of the categories? Topography, climate, public health infrastructure, military presence, gun ownership rate. Intelligence. Uh, yeah. Um, and in my opinion, population density is, the, is one of the most important categories. So if you look at New Jersey, let me take a, let me take a state that scores high. Wyoming's got a population density of about 5.6 people per square mile and a gun ownership rate of almost 70%. So we got a bunch of ranchers half a mile apart, going, hey, Earl, did you see a zombie yet? No, Bob. Okay, when you do, shoot it. Okay, right? (laughs) Or New Jersey, population density of 1,000 people per square mile and a gun ownership rate of about 12.3%. So that's a bunch of people that, like, when the Starbucks goes down, they're like, ah, you know? So where are you? The entire Northeast is totally screwed. Small states, high population density. If you ever don't, if you, you need a good reason not to move to New York City, that is a great reason. But yet, yet in World War Z, they successfully get out of Philadelphia at the beginning of the movie, only then, to then turn around and go to like Trenton or Jersey City to look for supplies. Yeah. They won. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning of World War Z, you have, you have them in downtown Philadelphia. Here's my question right? to World War Z, the movie, though. Who's going to let one of those... It, takes 10 seconds, right? They count. Brad Pitt's yeah, on the ledge. Seconds, right, right. He's like, I'm going to count to 10 to make sure that I don't... Who's going to let one of those dudes get on a plane? Right. How'd that thing get outside of Trenton? <laughs> right. Somebody went to Newark, New Jersey and was like... Rah! And they're like, here's your ticket, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that infection would spread like six miles. That was one thing that he did tell me long ago was... 
a dog in your neighborhood gets rabies, it doesn't mean every dog in your neighborhood gets rabies because you can tell the dog has rabies. Right. Oh. A dog in like, yeah, right. A dog in Cleveland gets rabies and like in London, they're like, oh my God, all our dogs have rabies. It's like, no, there's a dog in Cleveland that has rabies. Fucking shoot the dog. Don't let it on a plane. But, 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 but if everybody's going, ah, what if it broke out at a rave? <laughs> I think there's a or, movie or, about that. Or an, ICP, or an ICP show. Rave to the grave. <laughs> but, I, now I want to make a movie where it breaks down at the gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> like, and everybody kind of looks like they're zombied anyway. No, what if it breaks out at a zombie walk? That's my problem with zombie walks. Yeah. You can't tell the difference between someone dressed up like a zombie and a real zombie. <laughs> Why would you want to go there? <laughs> so, 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 Matt, I mean, having done all this research, what happens when somebody comes up to you and, and asks you, or, or tells you, or, you know, because you're the expert, right? And somebody, oh, you'll probably get this a lot, when somebody comes up to you at a convention or something and goes, I got the perfect plan for a zombie apocalypse. And maybe they tell you, like, we're going to get on a boat, we're going to go to the mountains, we're going to go to Costco. Or, I mean, you hear all this. Uh, what yeah. is the, A, two questions, what's the craziest or dumbest idea you've ever heard? And what's your response to that? Uh, I mean, I think a pretty bad idea is, um, is a uh, oil rig, offshore <laughs> oil rig. Those, ha- those are a lot, because you're like, oh, you're How do you get l- one? Well, no, you don't have to buy the know, oil rig. How do you even get one? How do you get to one? Well, how do you get to one, yeah. yeah. And, and then how do you free it from the mainland if you get to one from the mainland? Yeah, well, again, see, I'm kind of obsessed with water. If you right. don't notice, I've already drank. This is my third bottle of water since I sat down. Um, <laughs> thank you. I need it. You guys are dead. Um, <laughs> you need, we, human beings need a lot of water. You're on right. an offshore oil rig in salt water? Just, Freaking dead. You're dead in four days. So that fleet of aircraft carriers in the movie is like, okay, how'd you guys get supplied? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I think all survival is local. So it's sort of like wherever you are. Anyone that has a plan to go a long distance, I'm like, well, you're probably not. You know, and again, walk, Walking Dead, good example. They're not really that far from where they started, right? Mm-hmm. For the mo- It's like, you're not like, oh, I'm going to go move, you know, I'm going to go to Alaska. It's yeah. the safest state. No, I'm not. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm not going to get very far from here, you know. Fortunately yeah. for me, though... Um, I have a, my wife says she doesn't want to survive in a, a zombie plague if, if there's not hot shower or happy hour for a long time. And, but she said I could eat her. So I have like 110 pounds of portable food. I don't even have to like prep. I'm like, yeah, you know, so you have all your supplies. I just got, I just got a wife that I'm going to eat. Yeah. So I'm good. Um, you guys are, have you ever gone southbound on the five and see that dude who makes survival shelters? Off the, like, you see that sign? Um, I interviewed that dude for the movie. And he makes these underground bunkers, and um, they're ga- like they're gamma radiation proof because they, he may, he builds the entrances at a certain like degree at which gamma doesn't gamma radiation doesn't sink, et cetera, et cetera. He's got all these different things that go into his baking his bunkers. And I said, well, if the zombie apocalypse happened, you know, w- would you be able to get to one of your bunkers? And he turned to me and goes, I make them in Texas. <laughs> I was like. The answer is no. Like he goes, he goes no. He goes no. I would, I would be dead. Like I, I make them in Texas, and I make them all like all everywhere but Los Angeles. And I guess, um, I guess California, they don't actually let you make a bunker. They, they you know, because of they don't want to like make like a, another Waco situation. So actually, making a bunker, you have to make a shelter, right? You have to make a survival shelter. But um, where do you find the land? Where do you? And, and again, how would you even make it? There's websites that I've been researching where people will sell you space in a survival shelter in Barstow, right? And it's space. 
Meaning, you just have a little part of like a place with a bunch of strangers, and like let's say you buy two tickets. So oh, I need a ticket for me and my wife, and then like my whole my sisters and my parents are in town. I'm gonna say you can't come. So then all that food that everyone has that's supposed to last in this timeshare that's supposed to last two years, when everyone brings their neighbor and oh the nice lady next door and oh my grandma's in town, and all of a sudden your food lasts two weeks, and no one's getting along because they're a bunch of strangers, and you know it's like. So Sean's house is the best solution, is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, we're going to step over, step over. Sean's house is only second to Sean's dad's house, right? Dad's got it unlocked. Dad's got it. <laughs> oh, we only have a few minutes left. Like, uh, I think we have five, ten minutes left. Uh, but I wanted to open it up to questions from the audience. Um, is that microphone uh, live in the middle of the room? Uh, whoever's got a um, question, let's line up behind the microphone and ask away. I mean, we've got... Matt and Sean and Gavin. You, you Speaking of that distance thing you were yeah, talking about, yeah. about they did this big article. Uh, I mean, people can step up. I'm just sort of yeah, yeah. Walk to the other. Yeah. Uh, they did this article. I, I don't remember. It was you know in New York Times or somewhere a year or two ago. A guy in Belgium who was like the ultimate survival guy, and he built built this like ultimate survival shelter that was in South Africa. Yeah. He lived in Belgium, and, I mean, that's and they were the- like, "How are you going to get there?" He's like, "I don't know. I might get a boat or something." I'm like. Pfft. It's going to be nice for the people who live in South Africa, like, right around that neighborhood. But like, You just told me it. something great. Like, we don't know if zombies are slow or fast or smart or dumb. But we know humans are fast, humans are smart, and they've never built anything that other humans haven't figured out how to get into. Right. You know? Right. Um, all right. We're going to ask our Pokemon trainer at the mic. Uh, Is this Brock? Are you Brock? Yes, I am. Yeah, Brock. Wow. Uh, nice. Got uh, Ash and Misty over there. <laughs> hey, guys. Pika, uh, Pika. I'm sure you have... It. I'm sure you've answered this question before uh, to other people, but in the end of season two on The Walking Dead, did you realize that you just had him firing that shotgun endlessly for a good 15 minutes before the uh, release of the episode? Or Infinite ammo? Yeah. <laughs> did you realize the infinite ammo? Oh, it's going to turn into that kind of Q&A. Yeah, yeah. We have the answer for the writers. Um, can I say that I don't work on the show? <laughs> Yeah, in the um, comic, you don't seem to reload a lot. So. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I mean, sometimes you, they just don't catch that stuff, you know? You should have, they have story editors, but, you know. Did they ever cut away from the character? Because that's when he reloaded. Exactly, yeah. It was still going on. Artistic <laughs> license. Boom, Artistic just license. Artistic license. Ammo. Yeah. yeah. Out of like a zombie TV show, he's like, that's so fake. <laughs> <laughs> There's like people running around eating each other yeah, and like coming I back mean, from the dead. He's like, that shotgun is so fake. <laughs> I mean, crossbows don't really work that way. What are you implying? I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Next question. Um, I was wondering, uh, from the, like a medical standpoint, uh, you know, in depending on what zombie mythology you're going with, if you hack off a limb, it could work. If you hack off a limb, it couldn't work. I was just wondering, medically, I get I get bit on my wrist and I hack off my arm at the at the elbow. What's what's my chances of not getting it? Yeah, I mean that 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 absolutely could work. Um, I mean that's uh, if it's if it's purely a bloodborne illness, it takes time. Let's say it has to get to your brain, right? right? I mean, it takes time to get your brain. You're not you shouldn't like go get a sandwich first or <laughs> something, right? But no, theoretically, for sure that could work. Okay. It's not like if that it's not like if that happened in The Walking Dead, you're like, no way, never. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess how many. Viruses are there that it would be so quick that you would be screwed. Well, I mean that's the thing. If you're talking about viruses, every virus 
known to man, needs enough time to get in your system, replicate itself, and then, and then be able to get out of your system to actually, you know, be able to infect other people, right? So right. even the common cold takes like several days. It's not, right. so this 28 days later model, or even yeah, the World War Z model, I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's less, in fact, I've talked to researchers that it's less realistic. The notion of someone dying and coming back as like a raving maniac after death, like walking dead, is more realistic than a 28 days later model of okay. someone getting a drop in their eye and 20 yeah. seconds later, That's what I was they're yeah. a maniac. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, we got one more question. I'm sorry. I just saw the sign. Um, nice one shirt. More, I know. <laughs> oh, hey, one of your friends. So I wanted to ask everybody on the panel, starting with Matt first, uh, if there was a zombie apocalypse tomorrow morning, what are you packing at home to prepare for this? Starting with Matt. My wife. I thought <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's the basis. I mean, I think that, that, that uh, we touched on it before with this whole CDC thing. The things you need to do to survive a zombie outbreak uh, are, are really the same things you need to do to survive any number of other catastrophic man-made or natural disasters, you know, especially in the short term. So, you know, you're thinking about water, water purification, food. I mean, you can't carry a lot of water. Well, for so personal water. defense, you have like a 22, a baseball oh, bat. Yeah. What are you guys packing? Like, oh, packing, packing. Yeah. Ooh. What are you guys? Yeah. Um, I actually cr I created a, a Lucille that I have in my office, and I would probably keep that because it's pretty badass. Lucille is the in the Walking Dead comic book. It is the weapon of choice. It's a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat, which is pretty effective against uh, survivors. So, so you have that in, right now in your house? Here's oh, right, 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 on the table. It's in my <laughs> office, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I uh, ride, I'm a motorcycle rider, and I pride myself on all my gear, my armor. So I think the first thing I do is put on all my armor. Uh, so I at least have all these bite-proof, you know, pads that's a good, and stuff. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's always been, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like the road warrior, he's got all his cool gears, leather pants and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm at least going to look like that guy if it all goes down. So, <laughs> you look pretty uh, sexy, too, in leather pants, by know. the way. To wrap it up, I think I would just uh, pack seasoning so I taste good for whoever eats me. <laughs> I'm going to go out pretty quick. Um, thank you guys so much. On behalf of the panelists, Sean, thank you guys. Matt, Gavin, uh, visit us on the floor. I mean, he's at Fearnet. You're at the Zombie Research Society. You're at Skybound, and I'm at Geekscape. Yeah, at come see guys. Yeah, come visit us. We've got an hour left, right? All right. Spend money. Yeah, it's fine.